0: everyone to another episode of every second pa- counts podcast my name is Tom Ettinger and joined with me today is Mr. Donald Dunn in the studio how are you doing hey I'm good man
1: how's everybody going
0: everything's going good man for those that don't know Donald Dunn is the host of two drunk dudes in the gun room podcast he runs a radio station we're gonna get more into it but I, I just gotta tell you I was listening to the to the radio station today. Oh yeah? Yeah, I was enjoying it. I heard a little Scotty in there. There okay, there was yeah. a couple of, there were some artists I didn't know, but I, I'll tell you what, I was uh I was jamming along with it.
1: Yeah. Well look, May first, man, is uh we'll we'll be fully into it. So we'll be licensed and everything and at that point then I'll I'll be able to play just about anybody that's a veteran on there. So
0: let's 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 get into that what how how does um how do you go from doing a podcast yourself retiring from the army and then now doing the radio station how how did the radio station come about
1: so to be honest from the podcast man so when we started uh this podcast we didn't really know where it was gonna go and uh we, we started it because we wasn't really getting anything out of the VFW. We wasn't really helping veterans there. It was just more of a place to go drink, and and it was real clicky, you know. So uh, we started this podcast and started bringing people on, and it, and it just grew. And this year, you know, I decided, hey, we're going to start having more interviews because, you know, before it was only here and there. And, uh, man, I've, I've had – a lot of people on, and then we started having um, comedians and and art, you know, uh, musicians on. And I was like, "Man, you know, how come nobody hears about these guys? You know, and, and unless you're, I mean, the music is just amazing. You know, that that band that you was talking about earlier. It's uh, their name is Van Taco, and uh, their dad was uh, a veteran. So, uh, and that's how they they came onto the show. Uh, Paul Frey, uh, his brother served with uh, um, the other host that used to be on the show. And uh, so that's how I met him. And then Scotty and uh, Shannon Book and uh, man, uh, Brandon uh, Johnston, the comedian. I mean, so I decided I was sitting there thinking, you know, the problems I had when I came into podcasting was it's it like reinforces how transitioning out of the military is you you go from the military where you're a hero and then you walk into the civilian world where you're just another guy and and you don't really matter anymore well podcasting another, is like that too when you first start out man cuz
0: another veteran doing a podcast
1: yeah exactly <laughs> and 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 even if it's not even just that it, i mean it gets demoralizing when when you go on youtube and and you see you know, you're struggling to find people to subscribe. And then you come across the guy's stream that is called the, the sleeping streamer. And literally he goes to bed and he turns his camera on and records himself sleeping. And he has 30,000 followers. I mean, that's, that's demoralizing that a guy sleeping can get (laughs) more followers than people that give a shit, you know?
0: No, no, so, I get that. I I've seen that on TikTok and seen that. Like someone just standing in, in a field. Yeah. A, mil, a million likes. And it's like, they're not doing anything. They're not saying <laughs> anything. Nothing's <laughs> nothing's happening here. So <laughs> I,
1: I decided to come up with this radio station to give veterans a platform, man. And that's literally what it, what it was. And we started having all these organizations on there, man, that, um, do great things, but they just don't have the budget to, to be on every other hour on the, on TV advertising. Mm -hmm. So uh, I decided, you know, that's where they're going to come into this. They're going to, I'm going to start making advertisements for them and they're going to fill up time slots on, on there that, that we don't have any paid advertisers. And uh, the music will be on there. The podcasts will be scheduled shows you know, from from anybody that wants to be on. You know, anybody mm-hmm. that's a veteran that that wants to be, that has a talk show or wants to start a, a comedy show or, or whatever. I'll create time slots, and and then the the other time slots around that will be all veteran artists. So that's where it came about, man. It was just a just a drinking and came up with an idea, and I'm just one of those guys that's too stupid to stop. So.
0: No, I think I think it's it's something everyone always wanted, and I and I, and I I've seen it, and we we spoke about it, and I, I've been on it. But today I was out in the yard, and I just put it on, and I was just listening to it as it you know kept going and going, and I was like, you know what, this is something that everyone could listen to. It's very simple. It's very simplistic, and and it, and you're listening to veterans. It's. It's an automatic, it's an automatic give back. You know what I mean? Like the way, the way I look at it, it's like an automatic give back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I started this, so when I, when I got out of the military, I had a business, you know, I I got out, couldn't find a job. So I start, I created a job. I started out owning a trucking company
0: and Mm -hmm. uh, it
1: slowly grew and, and everything. And then life took a change and uh, COVID hit and trucking became harder and, my mom's health became worse and, and I had to make a decision, you know, like I couldn't move her to Georgia to take care of her. I couldn't afford the freight anymore to go from Georgia to Iowa and back and forth, you know? So I had to, I had kind of came to a crossroads and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, luckily this is after, you know, seeking some help because uh, I don't know what this decision would have been made at that point, but uh, I was thinking a lot more clearer at the time. And uh, my old first son offered me a job here in, in Missouri.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, so I took it, I closed my business and uh, I moved my mom to uh, Missouri and, you know, my wife and and kids and grandkids are still in Georgia, you know, and I'll be here for until um, something happens. Then then I'll move back with my family. But uh, that's where the podcast came about was, was when I moved back here and, uh, mm-hmm. The, the radio station was just a, another
0: add-on mm-hmm. i i think um it, it's a it's a freeing, it's like a free therapy uh, for, for me myself it's like a free therapy having either you know talking to yourself on here yeah. or talking to someone else and especially yeah. in the situation that you're in being alone families over here you're, you're you're taking care of your mom and uh I'm I'm in a similar situation, not to where I have to be there yet all the time, but similar situation coming down the road. And that's something that I I guess a lot of people, you don't realize that situation until you're in it. Yeah. And, and nothing and everything else that's important or you think is important that's going on all that kind of falls to the wayside. Do you think? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when, when that situation started out, I was, uh, I had a pretty good system, you know, I would, uh, about every other month or so I would, uh, stop in for the, uh, the weekend and, uh, do the little honeydew list, you know, Mm -hmm. um, whatever it is that that she needed. If a holiday was coming up, I'd go down to the basement, bring up her decorations for that upcoming holiday. So she didn't have to go down the basement and, and things was working good. And, uh, then, uh, you know, things got a little bit worse and and it got to the point where, where somebody had to be there to, to help. So, you know, it it kind of fell in, you know, if if you believe in God, which I do, you know, I I think he put that decision there for me because of the future. You know, you look at the economy that's coming and, and everything else. And, and I don't know that I could have rode that wave out, you know?
0: Yeah. You think, you think it it was, um, since you brought that up, you think that, your business and trucking would have suffered with COVID and everything.
1: I'm gonna tell you, man. So, when COVID hit, I was pulling a, a flatbed, so it was mostly infrastructure equipment that I hauled. Mm-hmm. And uh, being an owner operator, so you know, we'll just talk a little bit about the finances. The truck payment was six six forty six a week, right? The trailer payment was five thirty a month. Insurance, 700 About $1,200 a week is what I was spending in fuel. So, I mean, all this stuff really adds up, right?
0: It added well, up extremely quickly. Yeah. As, soon as you started with the third number, I was like, "Woo." Yeah. So,
1: you know, and, and I ran probably about 2,500 to 3,000 miles a week. And, and uh, I would stay out for about six weeks and life was good. And then when COVID hit, well... It, Our whole freight structure had to change because there was no infrastructure anymore. If you were Mm -hmm. in construction or building, it was shut down. And so it was not uncommon, man. And this is what really hurt financially. When, when I would plan my week, I would on Friday, I would have loads already lined up for Monday, the next load after that and my final load for the week. Right. Mm -hmm. We would get to that customer. We'd pick up, Maybe get a couple hundred miles, three, four hundred miles away from where we picked up and you'd get a phone call and says, hey, somebody at the the plant you were going to just came positive for COVID. They're going to shut down. There's no, uh, They're not receiving anything for the next two weeks. So I would have to turn around and take the load back to the place I picked it up. Oh, man. But now I've lost those other two loads because I'm not going to be wherever it was to, to pick them up. So now I'm parked trying to find another load. Well, everybody mm-hmm. does this. So, I mean, all the loads have, have pretty much been taken, you know, and, and it got to the point where, you know, we were, we were loading boxes of toilet paper on flatbeds and tarping them because the only loads we could find was going to Walmart and, and the drive vans couldn't keep up with the, the amount of toilet paper that had to be hauled.
0: just yeah. I, I guess you really don't really think about the little, the little details of, of how how serious things got and how it affects the lit, the, the smallest kind of business to the biggest business. Yeah. Because they talked about, you know, with people not being able to come out, people not traveling, people not going on vacation during COVID and all that. And then yeah. just the everyday business of, of stocking and moving things. And it, it's crippling.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. And, and, you know, those payments don't stop. You know, I mean, my fuel payment my fuel costs went down,
0: but it's because I
1: wasn't going anywhere.
0: Yeah, that's the one you know? thing. Uh, you you look back now and you're like, why did why didn't they just stop the payments? Yeah, <laughs> everyone knew what was happening. Why don't we just stop the payments?
1: Yeah that that part that part of COVID never hit.
0: <laughs>
1: I guess they didn't have to be in the office to receive the checks.
0: So no, I'm telling you, man. So so you spent a couple of days in the army.
1: Yeah, so uh, I came in in '94, um, and uh, I retired in 2014. And uh, I came in because I had gotten a family, and you know, went down to Walmart and bought a family, and then uh, um, found out I had to take care of them. So
0: it, that's what—that's
1: why it, I came in.
0: You got to read the receipt sometimes, because <laughs> when, when you know when you get that receipt and they circle it. You're like, i oh, look at the survey. Yeah. They want, they want the survey of the family. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
1: man. So uh, I came in in 94 and uh, you know, for the first year, well, almost two years, man, I never seen my wife, you know? So I went to basic training, AIT mm-hmm. and uh, then to recovery school. And uh, I'm like, okay, where am I going? I don't, I don't care where. I just don't want to go to Korea. Oh, well, you're going to Korea. So then I spent a year in Korea away from my wife, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I finally got, you know, when I got orders to go to Fort Bliss after that, we finally got to live together again. And, uh, you know, then instantly kids started popping up.
0: So, yeah. So how how um, you did a year in Korea?
1: Yeah, I did a year in Korea and then uh, went
0: to uh, Fort Bliss in
1: ninety five.
0: 96,
1: 96. Where's where's that at? El Paso, Texas. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Nothing there. Absolutely nothing. Some people love it. (laughs) I I absolutely did not. (laughs) But uh, as a matter of fact, I was going to get out of the Army there. I I really was. I I, kind of was still young and frustrated and um, hadn't completely matured, I don't think yet. And uh, I was going to get out. But I hated Fort Bliss so bad that I didn't want to spend another 18 months there. So it was faster for me to re-enlist to leave than oh, it was wow, okay. to stay there in ETS. It's
0: so, always that it's always that way, I think, that there's always something that, that you 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 get a peek over the fence and you're like, eh
1: Yeah. Huh. You know, and, and that's when the army got better for me. So I went to Germany from there, I re-enlisted for Germany. I spent uh three years in Baumholder and I was in uh, the mechanized infantry. Um And I, I, man, I loved it. I I did. I, even though we were constantly in the field and and I was deployed while I was there for the first time, we went to Bosnia and, uh, man, I absolutely loved it. You know, I was out of the wire every day doing missions, working with the scouts and, and, uh, combat engineers. and, And it was amazing. And, uh, then like this unknown, thing happened to me that was like the turning point for my career. And
0: uh,
1: so I went and talked to my uh, branch manager and uh, there became a slot open for me to go to the one sixtieth, you know, which I hadn't even heard of him. And uh, he told me about how, how the unit was and, you know, you had to volunteer for it and, Mm -hmm. and you still had to go through selection and everything. So, you know i went for it and uh made it through green platoon is what they call it made it through selection and uh that was you know working in the special ops community is if you ever get the opportunity to do it man it's it is amazing i mean Mm -hmm. the the people you meet the the atmosphere the attitude it it is completely different and and i am still friends with 90 percent of the people i served with in those 10 years so i stayed there for 10 years <clears throat> and, uh, I was there in the 101st or in the, uh, Hunter Army Airfield and, uh, man, I worked with some of the, the most professional people you'll ever meet, you know, SEALs, Rangers, um, CIA, FBI, everybody, you know, I mean, yeah. just all these people that you, you think about, but you know, most people don't ever get, work. I mean, they're just uh, amazing people. I, I, the stuff they do, it's just not human, you know?
0: and uh is uh is is it typical just to bounce back just a little bit is it typical usually for the army for the first termers that either go to germany or or korea um, typical or yeah
1: so korea korea is a very common first spot right so Mm -hmm. especially after 9-11 man so the korean tours kind of slowed down and your big divisions picked up so a lot of people for their first terms was getting put in third id and um 101st and 82nd and 10th mountain you know because they were deploying nonstop. and uh so that was when i came in it was like korea was the the primary place that everybody went and then the the divisions kind of filled up second and then you would have that one guy, you're like, How in the hell did you, I mean whose dick did you suck to get that job? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know.
0: No, I, yeah, because I asked because there's there's a couple of guys that I knew that joined the army and mm-hmm. it's typical you know, one went to Germany and then they swapped, you know, one would go to Korea and you just did that time, and then yeah. you always somehow you, you come back here, you either go to Hood or you go some you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a typical and the longer you're in the army, and I might be wrong, but the longer it seems like you're in the army, the, the less, the, the more homesteading you could be. Um,
1: well, so, yeah, in a way, right? Um, usually it's not volunteering, right? Mm-hmm. So it is not uncommon if you go to Fort Stewart and you get put in third ID that you'll be there for two to three years. And then you're going to come down on orders for an oversize, overseas assignment, maybe Hawaii. It might be someplace nice, Germany or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I promise you, when you get orders again, you're coming right back to 3rd ID. Mm-hmm. So it looks like, you know, it's real easy to homestead. And it, it is in in some aspects, but it's not always where you want to be.
0: <laughs> uh, it makes sense. There's always those bases.
1: Yeah, like so. like
0: for us, it's someone you know. You get stuck out in Twenty Nine Palms, that might be your Twilight tour. You might have fell in love with that place, yeah. And no one knows why, but you know that's your that's the place you want to end it all and end your career at.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and it's the same way for the guys in eighty second. You know, when they mm-hmm. would leave, a lot of times they get sent right back to division, and, and it starts all over again for them. And uh, you know, the other way too is is the way I went. So. You go you get put in a, a unit like the 160th the regular army couldn't even see us they didn't know how many of whatever mos is what ranks was there and uh that's that's how I got to stay for 10 years just nobody wants to leave and uh, <laughs> they I mean I, wow. I would have gave up rank to stay there you know it was just it was that good of a a life for me.
0: Where's that at exactly? What's Hunter home? Army
1: Airfield? It's it's in Savannah, Georgia, is where it's
0: at. Is that um? Trying to think, I think I've driven through Savannah, and it's just a beautiful town of just like you have the outside peach farms, I believe, yep. yeah, yep. and then but the you know you you have the inner town vibes. Like it seemed, it didn't seem like a military town.
1: No, it's not. Uh, Hunter Armory is real small. You know, they're they're part of uh, Third ID, mm-hmm. and uh, there's just a handful of soldiers that get there. You know, most people go to Fort Stewart, which is about thirty miles, uh, about fifty miles from from Hunter.
0: So, so the cool thing I could ask you is, like, when I joined the Marine Corps, it was right. You know, it was a year before nine eleven, and and it was all that, but <clears> there was no nothing going on. Right. So when you when you joined the army, like we we had um, you know, uh, little conflict here and there. Yeah, nothing but, but nothing major. So what was the what? Why why join the army?
1: So I, that's where. So I was real close to my uncle, and that's mm-hmm. where he, he he went into. And uh, I was not close to my biological father, who was in the navy. Uh, my grandpa, who raised me, was army. So I think that's what brought me to it.
0: That makes sense. So the was it, was uh, there a push at all or, or was it? No, no.
1: As a matter of fact, the army recruiter was the only recruiter I talked to. So I, I seen some videos of being a ranger and that's, you know, what I thought I wanted to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my dad talked me out of that and he told me, he said, if you're going to go in the army, do something where you can, uh, have something when you get
0: out, you know? So uh, now now you retired though. I did. So I retired. And the, the reason I bring that up is someone always tells you that. Someone always says, you know, if you're going to do four, stay in, or if you, you know, if you're going to do something, make sure you have, you know, something to do when you get out. But do you think that's good advice?
1: Um, not for the army. I think that's good advice for somebody that's going in the Air Force or or the uh, um, Navy, something like that. Because uh, the Army is so far behind in technology compared to the civilian counterparts mm-hmm. that when you get out, whatever you decide to do, you're still going to start at the bottom. You know, for me, I was a mechanic. I could go to a shop and they were still going to start me at the very entry level positions mm-hmm. because they know. The, the caliber of, of mechanics and the technology we, we worked with was not to the same level of what you're doing in the civilian world.
0: Absolutely. So, Cause they're operating strictly on technology. Yeah. And so we're, and we're, we're doing...
1: operating on speed, you know,
0: preventive maintenance,
1: <laughs> you know, oh, change, oh. change a bigger part. Cause it's faster than tearing apart and rebuilding, you
0: mm-hmm, know,
1: mm-hmm. and that, that that's so, and, and it's kind of funny Later on down the road, I did have the opportunity to to go to the Rangers, and uh, I still, you know, I I always remember, you know, I even all the way to retire. That's something I did want to do. But uh, when I left the one sixtieth, they they had said that there was an opening for the motor sergeant position at uh, um, the seventy fifth, and they asked me if I'd be interested in it. You know, I I was too old at that point to want to go to Ranger School. You know, my, my mind was like, "Oh, that would be so awesome," and then my body was like, "Are you out of your damn mind?"
0: <laughs> I think that's that spark that never that that eternal flame that never goes goes out because I still see some things, and I'm like, "Yeah, I, I don't want to I want to go do that." But then, yeah. you know, when you get out of bed in the morning after after you get that full stretch in around eleven, you know, by the time you you, you you're feeling up to it, it's like, eh, "I don't I don't know if I could, could do that anymore."
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, after 10 years, man, those 19 year old kids, they, they don't get slower. They get faster. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. It's like, what was your run time? It was like, how, did, how do people run that fast? Yeah,
1: absolutely. man.
0: So creating the podcast, I, mm-hmm. I know that that could there, there's a reason people create podcasts. Yeah. There, there, there's a purpose there. And I, I know for me, it was driven. It was there was, you know, there was a recollection that had to happen, a, an awakening to say, you know what, this is this is what I need to do. And I feel people and I'll say I'll say this like this people in, in this community that that push, you know, mental health, veteran suicide and, and veteran connection and and all that when you have to create a the energy for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the VA don't have it. There's certain things here and there. There's not an input for that. And until I was on a podcast, I didn't know how big the community really is, but how small it is. Yeah. And it's it's so different between the levels. Yeah. To wh- to where to where people can go. What was the, the personal feel do you feel because you could have a podcast you know a lot of people do it like maybe like nowadays I would say some people might do it because it's the cool thing to do. hey look right. at me but the the, the source and the, the purpose behind it it doesn't match. There's no passion about it you know they're worrying about clicks, they're worrying about numbers yeah. they're worrying about and that when you're just worrying about a conversation. Yeah. You're just worrying about you know breathing. I feel, you know, that could that could allow you. And see, even on my own show, I'm I'm over talking you. So so so, so <laughs> what's the energy? You know, what's the energy that 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 brought you? I, I we spoke briefly on on your show about it, but yeah. what's the energy briefly about creating the show, but the personal drive behind it? So I, I think
1: podcasting. Becomes its own identity. It starts out as a, as a child. So that answer kind of changes, you know, as we came into this, we had one purpose and, uh, we really didn't know what we were doing. Like most people, you know, when, then, when you first start. And, uh, so the guy that helped me host this, um, he had, a, a little group when they were in El Paso and, uh, they would try to raise money for veteran for active duty uh, soldiers to pay for their kids to go to motocross races, some of the bigger races. And they would cover the, uh, they would basically sponsor them and cover the entrance fee because there was a lot of races that the kids couldn't do because the parents just didn't have the money. And uh, you know, it's, it's no secret, you know, soldiers don't make a whole lot of money. And so (laughs) that was kind of, when he came in, that's kind of where he wanted to continue. It was to highlight soldiers. And yeah. uh, so that's where it started. It started with us bringing our friends on and, and then it turned into um, bringing organizations on and it's still kind of fit. You know, it was more like the, the teenage years at that point. And uh, mm-hmm. personally, I think for me, that's where I started changing. And uh, I'm not going to say I got obsessed, but I got sick and tired of watching all these people out there making tons of money and they don't have half the talent that our veteran community has. Mm -hmm. And I ain't talking about just podcasting. Now I'm talking about MMA fighting. Uh, I'm talking about comedy, musicians, whatever. And, and it's because it's because we isolate ourselves. We, We, as a, as a community, we we don't we don't know who to talk to how to get through to people and so you know we're not even a large voting community i mean that's that's why the government doesn't even pay attention to us because there's stupid ass people out there that are have a larger voting party that get the attention and and we're losing benefits rights and and everything else and, and i'm not trying to be political but my point about it was that there's veterans out there. I mean, it, by now anybody's seen your show, my show. You know, we, they all know about Scotty. I mean, the dude is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I would put up put him against ninety percent of of civilians out there that have never served that have had a break or have had money to to advertise themselves to get known. But you add you add veterans to a community like that, and and we're we're not even 1% now. We're, we're less than 1% of, of the community. So no, that's I, that's where my drive came from.
0: No, I get it. And, and I and I like it because I think veterans with passion, they get pissed off, actually can make things happen. Like, yeah. I, I feel like if you're passionate about something and you're mad, that's something that, that's not just going to go away. Right. And, and uh, you know, being able to, talk to people and being able to showcase talent that's not being shown anywhere else. And like you said, how do you, how do you, everyone in Nashville has a guitar. Everyone in the, you know, everyone in the military now is getting out and, and, you know, everyone's looking for that break. Yeah. But, and then when the person does get it, um, I was, I listened to, I listened to a podcast um, and they were talking about, you, you celebrate the person until they get to the expectation you thought they would get to, yeah. and then, then you turn into hating them. Yeah. And I feel as veterans, we, we always want to support in, until it's like, well, why not me? Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, Scotty's kind of, it, it, just like that. him Schaefer, guys that have good talent, like yeah. just natural good talent and that are good have to work 10 times harder because they have a a veteran stigma. Yep, You know what I mean? And I I think, I think they talk about bad stigmas with mental health and and all everything with that. But if you're a veteran, that's a whole other, you know, spectrum they put you in.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You're a gun
0: toting lunatic.
1: Yeah. And, and, just to prove that point. So the episode hasn't aired yet. I had Robin Phoenix. Um, she's a stand-up comedian, veteran, and uh, she, uh, she was on the show and she, she made a comment, you know, that I really never even thought of. We were talking about, you know, uh, comedians having to adjust to their audience. You know, they bring in military stuff. If they're Performing at a VFW or something like that. And and they more home based stuff and and a little, little bit of veteran stuff if the if the majority's not. And she would talk about how she would go out on the stage when she was opening up for people. And she would ask the question, Hey, where's my veterans at? Army, Navy. And what she was really doing was gauging the audience for the other acts so mm-hmm. that they knew how to adjust their shows, right? But she said when they started out, everybody was like, Oh, you're not going to just do a lot of veteran stuff, are you? And that they were basing her, you know, because she was a veteran, it was like, oh well, you you probably only know jokes that veterans understand, so you know, we probably can't book you. And they, you know, just that stigma alone, it's kind of. I mean, it's it's kind of irritating to even think that that's a, a thing. But
0: yeah. uh, and, uh, uh, to say this, I, I I laughed a little to myself because if 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 her material was strictly just veterans, like I could get into that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to right. to to other vets who are normal veterans. Like, listen, the, the regular you served you you understand the puns and the bullshit. You you get it now. You yeah. know, while you served, it's like, oh, that was that was because of the game, and you know what I'm saying. You find out about boot camp. And yeah. I think that that would be a great show just off off that <laughs>
1: it would but the problem is is your veteran community is only one percent of the population so you know at that you're point you know your your audience base you' you're gonna you're gonna suffer because it's it's a business too you know and uh and you know here's a here's another thing that really shocks me right so the other thing that we do is is we try to come up with events um three or four events a year um, it's grown from one event to now we're up to trying to do three and four and uh, we have a, an annual fish gigging trip that that we bring as many veterans that want to go where's um,
0: where, where this at
1: it's in uh, um, uh, what's the name of that little town it's here in Missouri but uh, um, I lost the name of the town but uh, um, you go fishing there so the way it works is uh it's sucker fish gigging so you know they're they're bottom fish uh, feeding fish and you take a uh it looks like a little fork on a rod and and you know you gig them that you go out at night with these bright lights and the water's so clear you can see them swimming at the bottom
0: oh so it's like spear fishing yeah
1: yeah Oh, oh wow okay yeah so there's an association here uh in Reynolds County and uh they, they sponsor it, you know, they'll come out there with five or six boats and, and we'll take veterans out all all night long. And yeah, then after,
0: sandbar kind of area. Yeah. Or? It's, it's,
1: the water's four or five foot deep at the most, you know, in the deepest areas. Um, it just depends on the the rain and how the season was, but uh, you know, the season opens in October. So that's kind of the end of our, our events. You know, we try to do an annual uh, uh, competition shoot. We wasn't able to do it this year because the, the guy sold the property that uh we use so we got to find another location but you know we're, my point was we're we're getting we're trying to do uh where we take some veterans to the the all the major games here uh, uh a cardinals game a chiefs game and a blues hockey game right so here's my thoughts you know my thoughts was well yeah. Yeah, you know a lot cool. of these places will give tickets away on better on their veterans day right so i contacted uh the cardinals the st louis cardinals they do have a Veterans Appreciation Day. They don't have a a uh, military discount. <laughs> so, they don't? That's no. wild. So, on that day, it's a theme day. That's what they call it. It's a theme day. So, if I want a hat that has the branch of service that that, sold, that person served with, the ticket is $37 a piece. Or I could just get a regular ticket for... Eight dollars a piece, but then I wouldn't be able to sit in a veteran section, where they appreciate the veteran. They appreciate you by charging you thirty more dollars.
0: <laughs> but you get a hat.
1: You get a hat, but it says St. Louis Cardinals, and it'll have the Army, Marine, or Navy logo, whatever it is. I
0: mean, I get it. I get it, and I know. I know the eight dollars seats. I know the $8 seats because I've been to games like that to where, you know, we, we, we were doing training somewhere and then it's like, we got tickets, but they're all the way up there. So you just proceed to drink and, 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 and mosey around the whole damn place. Yeah.
1: And, and that, you know, it was frustrating because I wanted to take like 15 people, you know? Yeah. And and I don't want it to be a drink fest where I'm taking a bunch of veterans that just get drunk because that's not the point. You know, I get what my name, my title, my name is, but no, that's about no. comedy. That's not the intent behind what we do.
0: No, and, I think I think a veteran that hears it understands the camaraderie that comes with the the yeah. venue and the and the and the point of it. You know, like the point of it. If you, if you wanted to just stay home and get drunk, you could just stay at home. Yeah. <laughs> you know
1: the 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 main thing we were trying to do with these events is is to bring veterans together you know network the veterans so they have more lifelines to uh, to do you know and that was so that was also the point of the app that I created. you know um, the app the the main reason why I, I created it was I wanted a a way to where if somebody wanted to talk, they had access right there on their phone you know? Um, so on the app, I put, uh, the WhatsApp or What's Up app or whatever it's called, um, that Facebook uses. And, uh, I've had people use it and, and, you know, I can hear the I can hear it ring. It comes in like a text message and, you know, I've laid in bed for a couple hours on a work night, just talking to people. And, uh, so the point is all these little things, right. Is, is designed to help until an organization that we know can provide the real help. And, and that's where I came in. Um, The other thing that shocked me, I don't know if you've heard of them, Operation Encore. Have have you heard of them? I have. have. So guy um, I was speaking with him about the radio station and uh, he said something to me that really shocked me, man when when he was talking to me about it he said this is exactly what he's been looking for he's been trying to find a radio station that would dedicate an hour to playing nothing but just better music and everybody that he's talked to has told him no
0: and oh of course because it's, it's about the money
1: right and uh you know at that time i like i said I really didn't want this to turn into a business I did it And uh I didn't want to have to deal with the the financial side of owning another business and I didn't want to have to deal with I don't want to become a 501. I mean there's nothing against the 501 community. There's it's just not for me. And and uh I'm not good at that whole going around asking for money and and stuff like that. Um so I didn't want to go down that road either. I just wanted to create something for, to play veterans music and it got complicated, man.
0: Quick. Yeah. You know, and, and, so be, and that's as easy as uh, calling the VA.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Everything. It's so complicated, but it's the most simplistic thing. Right. So and it should be the most wanted thing. I, I if think you think about it. I think
1: the main reason why, why nothing moved forward with us is because I didn't, I didn't, wasn't planning on paying royalties or, or anything like that. What I was going to do was, was if anybody advertised on the radio station, that money was going to be split between the the artists. That's where that money was going to go. And uh, then it, then the licensing hit me and that's kind of what guy was bringing up. He's like, you know, you know, if you're not paying royalties, there's licensing issues and, and stuff. And I'm like, man, so I, I was at another crossroads. Do I quit or do I go down a road I didn't really want to go down? But to see it through, that's the road I have to take. So, you know, I, I talked I talk with BMI and uh, we're going to be licensed through them. So anybody that's that's under their umbrella will have the rights to play their music. And uh, that's the road we're going, man. And then hopefully, I'm, I'm really hoping I can go back to Operation Encore and uh, do that—that that what they want is to dedicate time to or just their artists, you know. I like so the it, Operation encore crowd, you know.
0: Yeah, that's that's incredible because that's that's veterans helping veterans. Yeah, and I think that's how that's how it should be. Yeah, because um, I, th- I think as 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 we you 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 sent me last night for the cross prop uh, posting. Mm-hmm. That that and and I I have to get on the and do it, but when when that seems troubling amongst other groups, you think? Yeah,
1: and and it goes back to what you were saying before. Um, there's people out there that all they care about is is the likes. You know, um, what a lot of people don't know uh, is. Everything up to this point. Right. And, and, and it's funny because some of the the civilians I worked with when they first seen us doing this, you know, you would hear people talking in the background. They'd be like, Oh, well, they're not going to be working here long. People would be like, why? Well, once that podcast starts making that money they'll be gone. They're not going to stay here. And I just started laughing, man, because I don't make any money from podcasting. I spend money podcasting, you know, And, and that's, you know, the behind the scenes, a lot of people don't know. I mean, I advertise, I have ads running current con nonstop on Facebook, three to three to four ads all month long. So, I mean, I spend a couple hundred dollars a a month and just advertising the podcast Mm -hmm. and it isn't to make my podcast bigger. It's because I'm trying to make highlight veterans and I want them to be seen by more people. And, and that's the point behind, you know, I, I get some of these people, um, they create these podcasts and, and they want the advertising space and they, they want, uh, the money that comes along with it. And they want to be that influencer and they want to quit their job and, but that's not, that's not what we're about,
0: you know? No, not at all. But I think, I think having the opportunity for, for them to be able to showcase and, and 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 show the veteran talent i think i think it's incredible and it, sh- it should be accredited somehow you know yeah. what i mean through, through something i agree because i i feel with all the organizations if you took all the veteran you take all the you know all profits, all the all the, the profit ones you take mm-hmm. all of them, they could, they could probably do something. So
1: that, that comes up on a lot of my shows. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a firm believer in this. I don't, you know, I don't pretend to be a counselor or psychologist or I'm a guy with a little bit of common sense, but the common sense tells me it's not the big programs. That's going to save us, our community. It's not the VA cannot save everybody you know, the programs too spread, think of it like a safety net. That's got a, some big holes in it and all these mom and pop organizations that are underneath it. That's, what's going to save the community. Um, people like, uh, um, um, the, uh, the guitars for vets and, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, um, doing a mission Missionary, uh, uh, I can't. I fucked up their name too, but they are uh, oh, Deuce, Deuce, yeah, Deuce. You know, they. It's it's those types of people that that are going to save the community.
0: And, and I, I'll, I'll tell you what the 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 biggest part, and I think it was probably the coolest thing. I went through the um, Mission Twenty Two thing, mm-hmm. um, like I like I talked about on the show, but I went through their links. And then I started seeing more and then you see, you know, deuces and all these outside primal go out and do it. And if you're a veteran, it's free. And it's just like, like, I I feel like a piece of shit because I haven't gone, but like, I want to go. And I think I think that's the biggest thing that that hurts veterans. Well, it hurts me is I'm hesitant to, you know, pull the trigger because. Yeah. I'm from an environment when it's fucking go, it's, it, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. The, or procrastination will kill you. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and I think, and I, and I feel that, you know, we, we have to be able to do it all together.
1: Yeah. And, and that's so, so, the, you know, the big problems like homelessness and uh, substance abuse and, and uh, the mental, um, health crisis, it's not just veterans, in my opinion, it's american wide right now. Um, Those types of things, right, are are ginormous problems. And nobody wants to to fix it as far as like the big agencies, because they know what it's going to take. And there's no money to be made there. And you can't just house homeless. You, You can build a million tiny homes and put homeless veterans in it. But if you don't fix why they were homeless to begin with, you didn't fix anything.
0: Just keep preaching. I'm not even going to say nothing. You
1: just know, keep,
0: just keep saying what you got to say because you're 100 percent correct.
1: You know, and that's and I, so where I started talking about this, we had uh, um, Brad Borders on our show from Purple Heart uh, Homes, and uh, that's one thing that they do. Um, they, 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 are licensed to build tiny homes. They build them and then they donate them to homeless shelters. Right. But his big goal is to have a, a community and, and supposedly they're trying this out in, in Kansas city. There's a a homeless veteran village where it's all tiny homes, but there's psychiatrists there. There's people there to help with, you know, and you're going to have to have all these agencies interlinked to, to deal with the substance abuse, the, the trauma, the, the reason why they're, they're homeless and to begin with, and then the the little things that nobody thinks about, you know, how many homeless people do you think are walking around with their birth certificate, their driver's license and <laughs> proof of residency.
0: And so, so. The, the last two years of taxes.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and I ran into this with my, my brother, my brother is, is homeless off and on all the time. Right. And, uh, I don't know how many times I've had to help him try to get his his license. And for somebody that's not on drugs, it will drive you to, to be on drugs when you start dealing with these agencies. Because you walk in and, and you try to get him an ID and he doesn't have his birth certificate. He doesn't have a social security card. And they're like, well, if you don't have any of those, we can't give you an ID. But guess what? If you don't have an ID, now you're breaking the law because you don't have any form
0: of ID. And, and you, you know how many times I did that uncle recruit duty? You'd oh, have yeah. Kid, you'd, have, you'd have a kid with a school ID and you're like, where's your birth certificate? What's your social security card? Yeah. Where's, do you have a report card? And they're like, I don't have anything. You get mail. Like, if you don't have these documents, like you're saying, you don't exist in the yeah. real world. Yeah. You might be able to exist uh, locally, but yeah. you, won't, you can't get nothing done. Without yeah. a social, without an ID, you know, without these documents, birth certificate. But you need one of them to get one of them. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> you, you can't get a birth certificate without an ID, but you can't get an ID without birth certificate. It's so, it's so crazy yeah. how hard it is just to get your own documents. Yeah. And the and the wait time and how much it costs. And it's like, well, it's mine. <laughs> the, what, the, what the hell? I remember I, – I, I should start calling these kids. I spent a couple bucks getting socials and and gets oh, yeah. yeah. done. Yeah. And just like you said, and these veterans, you think they got their DD214 sitting in their pocket? You <laughs> oh, know no. what I mean? Like yeah. And and uh, and I think um I'm gonna, I'm going to hit you with a question I've been I've been thinking about the whole time. Do you think it's done on purpose? How everything is done on purpose. Now, like I told you earlier, I'm trying to change things up how I how I do things. And it's like we don't talk about the like people, we could talk about push ups, fucking trying to raise yeah. awareness, but the, the the way the government is set up right now, it's set up for people to fail. And it looks like the VA was the, the starting point. Now I now I'm not a conspiracy theory. Theorists, but when you look at the facts, it's the same in in urban communities. It's the same in you know in big cities. The VA community is the same way. Let's yeah. make the buildings as small as we can. Let's make the facilities, you know, unreachable to try to get a, in contact with people. And it has nothing to do with the VA personnel.
1: No, I I think you know, and like you said, I'm I, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy either but there's some truth to what you're saying, but I think it's for a different reason. So we have allowed our government to get so big. There's now a program for programs. I mean, that's literally, and, and all these programs uh, take money.
0: another another binder.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and we've got a panel to judge a panel to operate a, I mean, and all these people are getting paychecks and everything. So, When you look at the budget, I mean, it ain't no secret. How many years has the government shut down because they can't balance the damn books? I mean, and so you start taking programs like that. You're still from them. You know, the, the VA needs this amount of money, but everything they put into it does, there's nothing coming out of this. You know what I'm saying? You can help all veterans in the world. That's not going to increase the amount of tax money you get.
0: I'm gonna start protesting here in the state. I'm gonna start here in Arkansas. I'm gonna start looking up all the all the the regulations and what they're actually doing because we just got uh Huckabee Sanders and already they're raising teachers' prices. They're they're talking about doing like they did in Florida, uh no license for concealed carry. Like they're, they're doing things differently here and mm-hmm. and regardless of, of, of the changes. Changes need to be made, and and I, I want to see how it's currently being done because for me, there's only two two VA places, and they're both two hours, you know, apart. Yeah. And they're and the when you make appointments, they're months apart. Yeah. And when and when you're there, I mean, you you've been, when you look at it, there's stages. When you go to the VA, you're still dealing with. Of those that go to VA, you know, places, you're still dealing with Vietnam guys, vets that are there. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, I'm still, I'm two years out and I'm like, I'm still new. And these guys, these guys have been here 40 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Yeah. So, so I think, I think it's, it's, uh it has to be changed statewide before yeah. it gets changed government-wise because governors can change things. But federally, I, I think we're, we're um, veterans don't exist federally. So
1: think about this, right? You have all these lobbyists out there that are fighting for uh, the big thing while I was in was was gay rights, you know, and now it's transgender rights and. You've got a whole bunch of little organizations out there, right, that that fight that you don't really hear about. They're not as outspoken. But start thinking to yourself about how many lobbyists for veterans there is. And
0: there's only a couple. Well, there's a, there's a bunch of congressmen that are, are veterans that don't do jack for veterans. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> and you have to ask yourself about that, too. I mean, that was a check the block thing for uh for them to do to be part of their their path so they came in they were put in in positions of of not danger you know it wasn't like pat tillman where he gave up millions of dollars to be a a veteran and was put on the front lines of a a ranger battalion now these guys are are pilots or or some officer you know that that they served and then they over you know, share and over exaggerate what they really did on their political trails. But then th- there's no brotherhood between them because they, they weren't real. Yeah. And, th- and that's just what? my opinion.
0: No, I, I, I'm i glad you said that because when, when you think about it, all the podcasts I've been on, not, not like I've been on a lot, but uh, even when I never had to tell anyone what rank I was, you know, obviously I was in a 20, but like, there's no one really gave a shit what I did when I was in. Yeah. But that's the stigma that's pushed while you're in.
1: Right.
0: And when you get out, only if you kiss the ring while you were in does right. the ring does is, you know, is that door open for you. Right. And and it the officer world in the military has
1: become real political, anyways. I mean, when you think about how many soldiers' lives were lost. So somebody could get promoted and I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That is a fact. I've seen it. I have seen these high ranking officers volunteer for an early deployment to get as many deployments under their belt to give them a better resume when they're going against their peers. And that's why third ID and, and all these de- We just kept deploying, kept deploying, kept deploying, you know, and you would, they say you're going to get a year off, but you don't, you come back. You know, I, I was in the army for 20 years, almost to the day, 20 years. Right. And I did 68 months in deployments. That doesn't include the training time away from my family. That doesn't include the year in Korea. That's 68 months with a rifle in my hand out of 20 years.
0: I think, um, and I I was, I was listening to another podcast. There's a guy on talking and he, he, he broke it down to, to other people. And I knew it, but, and you'll make sense of it too, but they, the public and and, and people that maybe didn't deploy or whatever, I'm not you. You know what I'm saying? I did my little stint in Afghanistan, but there's people that, they don't understand the training cycle to prepare to even deploy. Yeah. Cause when I went, when I was in Afghanistan, there had army guys there and guard guys there. And that's when they were still doing a year. And that was yeah. in 04. And I know, I know it, that was in 04, but I know it only got better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It only got more. It only got bigger. And these guys were doing a year and they were in the guard. And I yeah. could, I couldn't, I couldn't process that. I mean, I could process it then, like, uh yeah, whatever, you know. But I think about that now, and it's like that dude had a normal job. I put people in yeah. the reserves, like, and now you're in Afghanistan for, for a year, taking that, that's a pay cut. Scary. That oh, absolutely, and and you're there. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
1: You know how many, how many, um, <laughs> national guards lost their business. Because they were owner operators for truck drivers and their household lived on that money that they made at the time, which Mm -hmm. was really good for truckers. And then they deployed, but they're an E4. And now the truck's barely breaking even because he's got to pay somebody to drive it just to cover the bills. And that household, that family has to live on E4 pay. And a lot of people don't think about that sacrifice.
0: No, and and especially the active duty people now, like inflation. I mean, I'm I'm blessed to to, to think now. Like, I could only imagine how hard it would be, you know, still serving in the Marine Corps and having to because there's no rank at the gas pump.
1: There's, oh, no, yeah.
0: <laughs> there's no rank at you know at grocery getting groceries, and and you know as much as I know, everyone in the military got damn kids. So so yeah, like. It's just an an environment of this pure chaos. Yeah. And there's such a bubble of confusion of what's going on active duty wise. Like for for me looking in the the change, like you said, the mental health change. Mm -hmm. I I only I can only imagine them kicking me out a year after I retired, them telling me. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't retire because I didn't get the shot. Oh, let's yeah. Say, let's say, like, that but that happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know you know what I mean? And I couldn't, I can't imagine. Now, strategically, I know where I was at. I would have got the damn shot. And I know all these other people would have got it in their positions. They're trying to get their high three. They're, they're working <laughs> out there. But these people that got thrown out they they have the less of a chance if they did four years or three years or two years because I don't even know you know if they're pulling them back in if they're you know back pay they talked about all these things but it, they only talked about it when they were kicking them out there's
1: there should be a class action lawsuit for that shit oh absolutely i i th- I think they should have to pay them for the the rest of their career that they didn't have I really do and yeah. You know, and and don't get me wrong. I I have nothing against anybody that took the shot or the ones that don't take the shot. Right. And I've said this before on other shows. If if we were talking about a type of vaccine like what me and you took when we came in, where it was a live vaccine, even the anthrax virus was a live vaccine. Mm. But we were the only country that with the coronavirus took a different route and used a untested variation to do the vaccine. So at that point, it does make me decide, uh, do I want to, And we're talking about soldiers. They're young enough to still have families. There's no, there's no data on there that, that could talk about birth defects that's going to happen because of, of that shot. I mean, it ain't been around long enough to even think about that.
0: While you were in, would you have gotten it? I Would have See, that that that, that's my whole thought process because because we're institutionalized, yeah. Is it because they weren't in long enough? Because I felt a certain way when it happened, and then I felt I feel I feel I feel both sides of it, yeah. You know, you don't get it or not, I get it, but to me, it's like I didn't have a choice. Anthrax shot burned, you know, seven of them, (laughs) yeah. So (laughs) it's like. Like you, you would get all these shots, and it was like, all right, I don't know how to spell that shot, but all right, good to go. Yeah, but but but, I don't remember anyone denying. Like I remember, you could not get the flu shot, but I remember I I always got a flu shot because I didn't have a choice. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't get a choice for the flu shot either. <laughs> there was a captain that said, "Hey, you're on the list. Go get your shot." And I said, "Roger that." Yeah, that, that was it. That was the yeah. conversation. Yep. Yeah. I I think I think
1: the reason why you're you're seeing that and the differences is the the military in, in general, I don't care what we're talking about, the military in general has changed to a softer cider military. So when we came in, there you didn't get you didn't get a think
0: you, you, you did not you're an told. Opinion. Huh? You didn't have an opinion. No. <laughs> no. You, so you if you wanted to question
1: what happened, you better do it after it was executed. Meaning, you accomplish the mission, then you come back and say, Well, why didn't we do it this way?
0: Why'd I get the shot? Because yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> why'd I get the shot? Because I told you to. All right, Roger that. Like, yeah, well, but, now I understand. <laughs> but I mean, they kicked thousands of people out. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, I mean, I, I know it was a handful to, to some people. But like to the Marine Corps, you kick three thousand people out. That's a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> like so so, like I I just think, you know, when when, you, when you're in the position to um, have that voice to be able to have the podcast and, and and share your views and voice and and your career with others, how how does that help you?
1: Um, I will tell you. I don't know as far as it helps me as far as therapy. I mean, podcasting has, has helped me uh, talk about some of the things that I went through that I didn't use to talk about. Um, that mm-hmm. was one of the reasons why I've started writing a book because my kids have, they want to know why they live with the asshole they live with. And I never, never felt comfortable telling them about the things I went through. And towards the end of my career, it got bad. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I did some really fucked up things and, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, I threw my son out of the house the day after a hurricane and, and I, I just, you know, I know they didn't understand it and, uh, I didn't understand it at the time. And this was the breaking point before where I finally went and got help. Um, my wife had to split me and him up cause I was going to hit him over mm-hmm him not listening to his mom. That's what it was over. At least that's what the fight was over, but that's not what was going on with me. So in this house, you know, we were cooped up for a couple of days with his girlfriend, her mom, her sister, my cousin, my brother, my wife, all were in my home.
0: I, 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 I think no matter what you're going to say, I would feel the same way. Yeah. I'm just all the people in the house, just 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 you're just listening. And I was just getting I was getting anxiety, just getting mad, just just hearing how many people were there.
1: (laughs) I can still remember to this day. So I went for a walk trying to get rid of this feeling because when when that feeling comes, man, I I explain it, it's like a fire inside me, man. Mm -hmm. And as it just starts cooking and cooking and cooking, I just, I stop thinking and I, I lose it. And, uh, you know, that's the one day of my life, man. I wish I could have that day back. There's not too many days out there, but that is, that's one day I, I, I do wish I could have that day back.
0: Are you glad that day happened now?
1: I'm not glad that day happened. I'm glad that I got help. and and
0: uh, But that situation had to happen, you think? It did. Because I feel everyone, I had a situation. I think everyone goes through something, and you have to because no one says anything. But that's why we have to get there before that.
1: Yeah.
0: But but that 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 pot's always boiling. Oh, yeah, I feel for yeah. for a lot of people that pot's always boiling, especially. I mean, you did over five years just deployments. Yeah. Like that's for people that don't know that's like. Almost 10 years because of the deployments. I mean, you know, the workups in between.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You get on average, you know, three months every two years to be with your family. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. You're you're there for the evenings, but Mm -hmm. you're not there. I mean, you're, you're focusing, especially as a leader on, on everything you got to do for the next day, you know, but the first three months that you come back from a deployment, they, they dedicate towards your family time. And then that train starts all aboard and it's back to train, 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 train. And then you're deployed and then there's a whole nother year. You're not with your family. So,
0: so then you're, you're trying to rebuild a relationship. You're retrying to do it. And then for three months, it's solid and then ripped away again.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I agree with you because I think I think it's easy for people to look at it and see um there's a broken down of communication when you're not home. Oh yeah. You could still you could still talk. You you know when when I when I deployed, you know, we only have phone cards and whatnot. But yeah. like even even people today, if you're dealing with anything, if you're just texting and there's not much communication as far as talking face to face. There's so much emotions missing. There's so much. So that I think that gets lost.
1: Let me let me let me kind of try to paint a picture of how fucked up it was for me, because. When when I walked away from the military and and I just recently started talking about this. So when I walked away from when I retired and I was transitioning out, I really wasn't looking for a job. I, I kind of was looking, but I really wasn't looking because I had planned on killing myself. I was putting things in place to end my life and make sure my family was taken care of because I didn't like who I had became. I would come home and I would eat with my family and then I would get up and go to the bedroom and I would stay there until the next day. I literally pushed my family away. I fought Mm. with my kids. I fought with anybody that wanted to fight. Um, Until that day came is when Mm. I finally got help. My wife knew I was struggling. Um, The first two years of my deployments, um, I went through some, some things that really fucked me up, and I didn't realize it. I thought it was normal for me to have these nightmares and these dreams my wife quit sleeping with me she Mm -hmm. slept on the couch i slept in the bed because i was elbowing her and hitting her and yelling and screaming and shit and it took a couple years for for that to you know as the war kind of i call it calmed down you know because Mm -hmm. it did you know um it took a couple years before we started sleeping back together again and i just chalked that up as that's normal i didn't need a help that's that's what you do And, uh, then, uh, you know, I walked away and, and my wife kind of seen the signs that what I was doing. And, uh, then that fight came with my son, you know? So I didn't think that I was the fucked up one. I thought everybody else was fucked up. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, I mean that wholeheartedly, you know, I wasn't the, I was pushing everybody away. My, my family, my kids, uh, my friends and and to this day i don't have a whole lot of friends i i have a few people that i associate with and i have i still haven't got to that point where you know i want to be surrounded by a bunch of people
0: yeah i think it's uh thank you for sharing that um i think it's something everyone always thinks about and i think um i, I would i would say it's it's something that's hard to to deal with, with yourself because it's not something you want to talk to no one about. Yeah. That that you would and you want to maybe, but it's hard, you can't express it. Yeah. Because it's like you wanna it can only come out screaming. It could only yeah. come out with the same rage energy that's I feel that's built inside with it.
1: Yeah. And so You know, it wasn't until recently, like this whole time, until after the military, my wife didn't know anything about what was going on. I didn't remember most of my dreams. You know, she would Mm -hmm. say that I was elbowing and and yelling and shit. But I, I, honest to God, I couldn't remember what a lot of them were about. There was a few that I did remember. And I would always ask her, you know, what was I saying? She said, it sounded like you were yelling at a soldier and then you were yelling no. So I kind of made sure she didn't know anything that was really going on. And uh, I don't know. I started drinking a lot more, man. And, and as I got would drink a lot, things would slip out and uh, you know, she found out a lot of the dreams. I was in a helicopter that was coming back from uh, Bagram and it was a fucked up situation from the get go. We were in Mm. Germany. We flew back to Bagram and our base was in Kandahar and uh, they couldn't, they couldn't get any flights because the war had all shifted up North. So all the supplies was headed to Bagram. And so we decided we'd fly to Bagram and our helicopters from the 160th, would come and get us and fly us back down to Kandahar. Well, um, the one I was on um, decided to have a fuel issue and, you know, gravity took over and down it went. And, uh, you know, we didn't crash. We hit hard enough that it broke the landing gear and and shit. But You know, I didn't have any weapons. I didn't have anything. I remember to this day, I remember looking out the window because the windows had already been shot out for most of the other missions. And I remember looking out the window and my Sergeant Major was next to me. And I looked up and I, I seen the other birds float flying around us, you know, circling around us. Dude, I had never felt that helpless in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I looked over at the summer major because I had told him, I said, man, I don't think it's a good idea that we fly to Bagram. And uh, I just had a feeling, man. And uh, he looked at me and he said, it'll be all right. I said, how in the fuck is it going to be all right? We don't have any weapons. And the fucking aircraft on the ground can't even fire the minigun anymore because of the fucking aircraft ain't fucking running Mm -hmm. you know so the only weapons we had is what the crew chiefs had i mean and they got it fixed they figured out you know but the the people protecting us are the ones that are fucking working on the aircraft so i mean that that whole situation really kind of fucked me up for a while you know
0: yeah because i i I can see that being overthought a billion times oh yeah mm -hmm.
1: yeah I mean, and, and that, so that was one of the things and it was really weird, right? So my dreams always started where they, uh, where it ended at, where they got the plane fixed and flew off, but that's not whatever happened in the dreams In the dreams we always had to evade and, and get out until we could get, you know, picked up. And sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it didn't in the dreams, which, you know, never happened. None of that ever happened. They fixed the aircraft. We flew it home and, you know. A little bit of landing gear was fucked up and on we went, you know,
0: but, uh, but the, the situation and the environment surrounding it, it wasn't like you were on an LA beach. No, <laughs> no, I, re- I
1: remember it, dude, still to this day. I mean, we were in between, we were in a valley. So, I mean, there was high ground all around
0: us. And, when, uh, when were you in Kandahar? When was that?
1: That was in 2002 or 2003. It was either end of 2002 or beginning of 2003.
0: Yeah, because when we went to Kandahar, we were just, were you guys getting mortared a daily oh, yeah. when you were there? All the time. Every day. Yeah. And I, had day?
1: A, I had a, I had a, so we were going to um, Chow, and uh, this was after we started having sea rats. They, they got, the, the Canadians brought in the sea rats and we were walking back and uh, a rocket came in. And I remember <laughs> it's kind of, I remember cussing at my bucket drill sergeants because uh um, this, this rocket came in and it hit a generator. I don't know. It was probably 50 yards from me. And uh, I hit the ground. And I remember looking and I seen, this SF guy, I assume he's SF, he had a beard. He took off running away from the the, the rocket. And then I seen a, a guy in regular Army uniform running towards the fucking uh, generator. And I was like, <laughs> why in the fuck is he running towards it? You know. And then I remember laying there thinking, how the fuck are we supposed to yell a distance and a fucking direction? I mean, all I heard was... I mean, there was no timing to say six o'clock, right? <laughs> you know? But
0: I—it's coming. Get ready. Yeah. I mean, it, it happened
1: every day. Every day there was firefights. Every day there was—you know—that was right after uh, the Rangers and the 173rd took Kandahar over. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have no base power. It was all everybody little villages is what I called it. Everybody had their own little
0: oh, yeah. When I was there, I've heard of, about Kandahar later,
1: oh, later yeah. on. It's a resort.
0: You know, yeah, I was like, "What?" We had a coffee shop and a little exchange.
1: Dude, the last time I was in Kandahar, you could have a pizza
0: delivered to your to your hooch. No, we stayed. We were, we were, we. Were, I was right on the flight line, right behind the MWR tent. So, so we were right there. So I had the yeah. best, the gym, the Chow Hall was right yeah. there. But where we slept was a 500 man tent with about 800 people in the back back corner of the base, and yep. all we did was drive them little trucks everywhere, them little haji trucks, yeah, yeah the little hiluxes.
1: <laughs> yep. So was uh, was Rocket Bob still trying to hit the uh, the the tower, the fucking air traffic tower? <laughs> They'd be walking the damn mortars in. Boo, boo. That guy sitting up there, I man. I used to joke all the time. I, he has to have a fucking case of the sent a month because he can't leave. And they're just walking
0: them in. Man. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I remember we went to this little, little flea market deal yeah. right outside. Now yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sound, I'll sound like Joe, John Rambo real quick. So we went to the Haji Mart right behind, <laughs> right, right, right outside the wire. So, so when I was in Afghanistan, I was outside the wire. There you go. <laughs> And, and I spent $20 on DVDs that probably – that that didn't make it out of Canada
1: <laughs> Well, that, that was for research. You were trying to find uh, explosives that they were putting in, in DVDs.
0: <laughs> I actually almost bought a uh, – they had a replica Marine Corps sword, and I was like, how did he get one of these? <laughs> <laughs> you have to ask yourself, where did he get it? <laughs> yeah, like, how did he get it all the way out here in the middle of this field? <laughs> How had to yeah. get all these DVDs. That's weird. Yeah. Man. So, so how do you feel two drunk dudes in a gun room is, is changing the, the veteran community?
1: Man, I, I'm going to tell you, I have, I have days where I think we're making a difference. So like, I don't know whether is if it was from, uh, the contagion effect or, or from, you know, my show or whatever. But when I seen that hero stock had booked, um, um, Scotty, yeah, I was like, that's a fucking win because that's, that's what it that's for me. That's what it's all about. I, I don't know, you know, the, the goals and everything. I'm not going to speak for the contagion effect, but for, for me, that's, That's what I'm here for is trying Mm -hmm. to network and and help veterans achieve whatever their their dream is. Even if it's just to be sane, if that's your dream, that's your goal to to live a productive, normal life, then that's what I'm here for is to to find a way for you to do that. And so days like that, regardless of, of who did it, I don't care about that. To me, that was a win, you know, but then you have those days where every day is a struggle. You know, you spend six hours of of editing and, and trying to catch people's attention just to get people noticed, you know? Um, so with the radio station, one of these things I have to do is I have to go in and, and I have to document every song that's played at every minute. Right. And, uh, when you start looking at these stats, you start seeing how many listeners was, was listening because you know, that's how you're going to get the sponsors is what is your reach and shit. And when you Mm. see times where, I mean, I had to get to the point where I quit looking at stats altogether. And uh, I hadn't looked at them for, for many months other than with the radio station. And you'd see how many three seconds, you know, you see this graph and it's like this many people stop listening within the first three seconds. And then this many people watched for a minute and mm-hmm. then these people watched for five and then nobody watched for 30 minutes, you know, and that type of shit gets to you, man. It, it, it does, because, you know, without the views and without the people, you don't have no reach. And if that's the case, then I'm not helping nobody. You know, I'm not I'm not putting these people in front of faces that could potentially help them. So days like that, I mean, I had to quit. I had to quit looking at the stats with the podcast there for a long time. And mm-hmm. um, because it would get frustrating. And I think also on that same token, if you're one of those guys that are looking at stats every day, you you're on that borderline of becoming that guy that's worried about stats.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: You know, so you, there's a there's a fine balance because it, it will fuck you up. If if it's not going your way, but it can do the opposite too. If it if it's exploding, you know you're you feel like you're on top of the world. And uh, I try not to measure the wins, You know, like I got more excited when I got on Good Pods. I like that app. I use Good Pods quite a bit. And uh, so, like your show, I go in there and and I'll rate and share your show. I share uh, um, damn uh, Shadow Mark, and I share. The contagion effect well I had went on there and I was looking at stats I don't know a while back and dude I got like fucking excited because the contagion effect was ranked like 29th for mental health mm-hmm. you know and I was like that's fucking awesome these guys just started not you know they got like 60 episodes man and, you know and and we were ranked uh, number one for military and uh, I think number four for comedy interviews. And I, like I said, I was more excited about the contagion effect. Man, I hit Eric up. I was like, dude, do you, are you guys on good ponds?" And he's like, what's that? And I told him, I said, dude, on that, on there, you guys are ranked like 29th out of a hundred. I mean, that's pretty fucking good. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I had been going on. I, I just hadn't never looked, but I'd go on and I'd rate their show. I'd rate yours and, and, you know, make a little comment about it and, and send it through my feed. And, uh, that's to me, that's what that's a win, man, is is when somebody is benefiting from the show.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I was talking to Jason Steiner um the other day, and he was talking about the drop they're having for, for Hero Stock and mm-hmm. for, for like apparel and everything. Mm-hmm. And I and I I was so excited for their apparel drop. Yeah. Like as I was like, hey man, let me know because I was so excited because I could see the potential and how great Hero Stock could be. Yeah, and I and I see everything with the radio station and how 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 epic that could really be. To you, if you, it doesn't matter who listens; it matters the people you're playing. Yeah. Because you're changing, you are changing that person. Because you're playing them.
1: Well, and 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 on the other aspect too, you know, I with the way I went with being BMI. So the way it works, right? I have to pay an upfront licensing fee, and then I have to pay one point seven percent of all my gross income. So that comes off the top. And then there's royalties for every time I play a, a person's song. It's it's pennies on the dollar for the royalties, which is really fucked up. You know, when I when I'm looking at I'm giving 1.7% to the licensing company. Mm-hmm. But the guy that worked his ass off to create the song, he's getting 0.022 cents per fucking song. You know, but at a minimum, at least if if nothing else, you know, cuz I'm not playing their music for uh, an hour, you know, every veterans that I can find is going to be listed on there and it's going to be, unless there's a podcast on, then there will be music playing. And it's, like I said earlier, it took me down a road. I didn't want to go because now I have to have sponsorship because Mm -hmm. I can't afford to do it all myself. You know, um, I'm, I'm to where I'm at with the podcast and, and with, Covering the radio costs for getting it on the air and everything. But now this is a whole nother level uh, of where I have to be. And, you know, I'm paying all the licensing fees and everything up front. But uh, for it to be long term, there's got to be sponsorships to, to pay, or I'll lose the licensing because there is no gross income, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but even if nobody listens, you know, at least those artists are kind to get paid something, you know, their, their, their music's going to at least get some sort of revenue. And, and I pray that it, it gets bigger than that. But, uh, you know, to me, I look at the small wins. I, I look at what I can control versus what ifs, you know,
0: so say I'm sitting out at home, I'm on Facebook and I see somebody that I know that's trying to break in but they're not established yet could they get their music played
1: mm-hmm. so if they if they have reached out and they have uh, um, signed with a license there's three licensing companies BMI is just one of them um, what, what then, if
0: they, they have zero license
1: then all I need is their permission and yeah. I can still pay them the same thing you know, whenever their song is played. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I told, I told Derek, if he puts something on recording, I'll put him on there. I don't, Mm. I don't care. You know, the requirement is that you're a veteran or a son and daughter or husband and wife of a veteran. That's the requirement.
0: Yeah. It's an easy day then.
1: Yep. And
0: I, I think, I think there's some folks out there, you know, that, that I that I know I see that I've worked with that, that I know that I, I think, you know, that's a big jump because they're going from playing, you know, they're posting their own shit on YouTube or on Facebook yeah. or whatever. Now they could be put on an app that you, you yeah. that you're doing and they could say, go listen to this app and I'm going to be on there. Yep, you know? and oh, and I because I have
1: to I have to record every minute that's played, I can tell them down to the minute of when their particular song is going to be played.
0: That's that's awesome. That's awesome. You know? I don't I don't think you, you 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 can go go wrong with that at all.
1: Yeah. And, you know, again, you know, the big goal is is I think if for short term goals is is if if I could get Operation Encore to come in. And, and I can dedicate a, a specific show, the encore show, whatever, for these set of hours where it's just their music, you know, then to me that's another big win because they're, they're, they're a good-sized organization and they're doing some amazing things for for veterans. And if in that hour I could throw some, some Operation Encore commercials and advertisements and places for people to go donate, dude. Absolutely that's helping more than I could ever help because the the connections that they have, I mean, that is, that's game breaking, Mm -hmm. you know, and they only take like five or six people a year because of, you know, the, the work that goes involved, you know, they just, they they can't take a hundred people and, you know, so again, like you said, somebody that, that is on the fence, don't know that they have the talent. And I could bring Operation Encore in, and they have a show. Maybe they start listening to stuff like that, and they discover people that they could reach out to, and that connection could
0: be made. Oh, I you like know? that. I like that. That brings, and that, and that, that actually, I mean, if you're a veteran and you're and you listen to the radio, what is the name of the radio station for everybody?
1: It is Gun Room Radio.
0: OK, I, I, I was going to say I just wanted to make sure. So it's Gunroom room radio. Yep. And I could listen to it and then I could actually listen to a veteran. And if yep. I'm a veteran and I like their song, I could actually go find them on Facebook, Instagram, Absolutely. Twitter, and then connect with them right from there.
1: And you can also, you know, I will at that point be able to link to like their iTunes account and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And from the page, you would actually, you know, when it pulls up their their chart and their their cover and all that stuff. And in the description, I could place the links for you to go strictly to iTunes and buy their music directly, which helps them even more.
0: Absolutely. I love it, man. I I love everything you're doing. I I love the podcast. I love the the, I think the environment and the community, uh, especially Jason, man, Jason Steiner. If if you follow him on Facebook, he he shares every veteran organization yep. that's great under the sun, and and it's so good, refreshing to see it because there's things that maybe you won't see, like you said, these yep. little gems that the once they get shared on top of shared, it just it it, it forces it out there.
1: Yep, know i'm gonna tell you something funny man i'm I've, I've been kind of nervous you know ever since he asked me to come up there for hero stock and and live stream hero stock i've been kind of nervous man i'm like doing research and seeing what's going to be the best um cell service up there it's for the internet and you know i'm buying special cameras just to put in front of the stage to, to oh, make yes, sure that nice i get stuff. different angles and and everything else man and another reason why i was I'm going to StreamYard because I've been using OBS,
0: and yeah.
1: you know, with StreamYard, he'll get much more reach because I can go to multiple places versus OBS is one at a time. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, when I get up there, I'm gonna try to get with him, and, and I'm gonna put it to where it goes to their YouTube, my YouTube, our Facebooks. You know, everybody that that you know we we come together and start cross-posting, dude, it'll be live stream. Hero Stock will be live streamed on their page and everything all at the same time. And- well,
0: good. That, that's good because I'm going to be there, and that just takes a lot off my chest because I wasn't going to – I'm there to be there and if I could have apparel there. But other than that, I just think wh- when I talk to him, I just think there, there's no other place I would want to be, and I don't like veterans. I don't like other people, and I probably won't even like all the music but the feeling of being around veterans, the feeling around kicking it and hanging it out, all the things we love, all the things we hate are the same things. Yep. Yeah. But when, when I know I could just be around veterans, like I'm glad I know a couple people. Yeah. That are going to be there. And then I I just think it's going to be an amazing time. And, and just the experience of it is going to be good.
1: I haven't told him yet. So like, before the shows all start and everything during the day, I'm going to pull like Eric's coming in. You're, you know, you're coming in. I'm going to pull all these people that we see and mm-hmm. I'm going to get you all on the, on there. You know, cause I told him, I said, well, he, he told me, he said, he said, you want like a booth to set up, to sell your merch. And I'm like, I don't have any merch. I, mean, <laughs> I have a couple t-shirts that uh, I've designed and, and I wear for myself and this hat that I created that I wear, you know, but I don't mm-hmm. have any merch to sell. And he's like, "Oh, okay." I said, "All I need is a, a table and power. If you could provide me that, I'm good." Mm-hmm. You know, so I plan on pulling you and Jason and and all these people in that, that's coming. Eric says he's coming,
0: and oh, yeah. you
1: know, bring all y'all in, man. And, and we're going to talk on the radio and and oh, absolutely be live streaming and and everything. So,
0: yeah, I'm excited about it. I just think it's a um, the the event itself especially the opportunity you, you'll be able to pitch the app to everyone uh, yep. excuse me the radio station yeah and, and and that and then will that be will the radio station be covering it besides yep. YouTube
1: yep it'll go, it'll go onto the radio station um, all the Facebooks that cross post with me and YouTube and if they've got a YouTube it'll go to their YouTube too and uh yeah that, that, that should be about it
0: yeah man, that's gonna be a fun time
1: yeah man just think, of, just think of just think of the time. amount of veterans that that can't get there that will be able to you know at least see the music and and feel the atmosphere absolutely
0: you know? absolutely and the, the i wanted to be good so you know he's already talking about doing it next year mm-hmm. but like just it, it to not just as good as he thought last year went, this year he's planning on being better. Yeah. Just by the time this year comes, it's just it's, it's 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 exploding, and there's more veterans getting involved, more people connecting because the the only people that wouldn't want to go are either lazy turds that you know they don't want to go, mm-hmm. or the number one thing that we we love isolation. Yeah. So if you can break away from that isolation and make it there, I think I think it's a beautiful thing. I do too, man. And you know,
1: I'm hoping you know just random people even come up. You know, I, I plan on putting a little banner up, you know, that says you know Gunroom Radio and and something, you know, to maybe attract some people to come up and just have random people to talk to. You know, Absolutely. that's that's what I'm going for, man. Is is to is to live stream and, and hang with veterans. I mean, I can't think of a better, well, and it, it you know, it gives me the opportunity I'm going to stop and see my dad's grave because I'm originally from Lincoln. So, oh, okay. um, you know, it, it kind of gets me a, a chance to go back home and, and that too. But, you know, hero stock is, is the main, main reason, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm excited about it. it, it rarely am I excited about something that I'm not a part of or I have nothing to really do with. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's like something that's real just like naturally cool to be to be excited about going.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. So there's another one too, and and I had them on last year and uh I'm gonna have them on again here in the next month or so. But they have what's called Betapalooza. Palooza and it's okay. similar to stock It's it's here in Missouri, so it's a little bit closer to you. Okay, And uh, I got to make sure the dates because, you know, I'm already committed to go to Hero Stock. And uh, if the dates don't, you know, stop it, I'm going to go to Betapalooza, too. So you're more than welcome, you know, and, and he has all better bands that, that come in. It's, it's the exact same types of things. They usually have a semi truck show that they, they open it up. Um, he brings in uh, um, barbecue relief. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They are mm-hmm. uh, so they're they're a uh, a nonprofit organization that doesn't help just veterans, but uh, they're all veteran. Most of them are all veterans that are are running it, mm-hmm. and uh, they go to places like hurricanes and and natural disasters, and they bring all their stuff down there and they just start cooking and handing out food. for Oh embracing. wow! Yeah, and so last year they did a. Uh, Uh, class for like uh eight veterans and me and my buddy got selected to to go and dude it was like a five-hour class on how to grill and how to smoke and i learned so much shit dude and the food was absolutely amazing oh that's
0: incredible
1: yeah so you know and they provide all the meat all the meats donated to them and and you know, they provide all the, the, they have their own seasonings. That's how they fundraise it. They sell their own, you know, rubs and stuff like that. And, but it, it's a great organization. They're usually there and they cook for everybody too. Um, last year it was sponsored by Budweiser. I don't know. I think it was Budweiser. I don't th- I don't know if they'll do it this year, but you know, they had uh, they were providing drinks for everybody in the VIP. So if you bought VIP tickets, you got free beer and, uh, it was it was a good day, man. It was a good time. You know, we we that, took a tent up there and, like, yeah. and camped and and called it a, a, a day, you know. And just the you know, they brought in these two massive cranes and had American flags that were like fifty feet long, man, just waving, dude. It was oh, that's
0: so cool.
1: Yeah, dude. I'll have to i have to repost some pictures because I yes. took some some videos of it. They're just buried in my Facebook page, but uh yeah. It was, and I picture hero stocks going to be at a larger level next. that. Cause that was the first year of ever did it was last year. So, but he is going to do it again this year. He just hasn't released the dates yet. And, uh, but you know, that, that's part of, uh, MoVet Outdoors. That's who, that's who puts that on. And, uh, man, it was, like you said, it was, it was great times just hanging with veterans. I mean, I met so many people there that, you know, I still associate with and and it's funny because the Facebook chat from the barbecue relief on Messenger is still going on. People are still a year later saying, hey, I just did what you, you taught us a year ago. And they're showing pictures of what they smoked and everything else from from a year ago. So, I mean, that
0: that's, that's, that's pretty incredible. awesome. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. That's huge. But I don't want to take your whole night away. <laughs> i don't want to take your whole day away but but what can you leave us with what can you leave us with besides war excuse me gunroom radio what is happening may 1st so everyone knows because i'm so excited about it because i'm already i'm already in it
1: may may 1st is when uh well may uh, April 30th is when the licensing will go into effect. So May 1st is when the music content will slowly start ramping up. And uh, that's when we'll be licensed and there won't be no copyright issues with, uh, with me airing their music. So that's the big thing that will happen. Hopefully um, by then also all the commercials and everything will be built for all the, all these organizations that I've interviewed. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, I'm going to, I'm going to put the ads together then I'll send it to them and make sure they're okay with it. And then that'll be their, their commercial, you know, and they're not being charged for any of that stuff. This is just about getting their information out. And then from there, it's about trying to get sponsors, man. So if, if anybody is a business owner and I'm doing it as a donation basis, I'm not setting a a price because I I know what the economy is like. I was a business owner. So I do know what, what's tight. And, uh, you know, I will whatever you can donate and I will match time frames based off of what you can donate. So, you know, um, but that's that's to the point we'll have to be. we will have to have sponsors and and you don't only get just the uh, the gun room radio. I'm going to add you into sponsorship for the podcast, too. So, I mean, we average, I don't know, somewhere around twelve to fifteen hundred downloads a month, I guess, is is probably where we're at we're at somewhere around fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 reach on Facebook and, uh, you know, whatever the gun room radio grows and, and builds into. And, uh, I blame you for this, but now I'm on Instagram and,
0: uh, <laughs> Hey, you got to get busy with it, man. I'm telling you, that's the, I'll tell you what, you, you got to find these people. Yeah. They're, they're either in a small group or like all y'all, all the Nebraska folks, all the people, everyone in the, in these communities, you gotta find them on Facebook. Yeah, you do. I I wasn't on Facebook for a year. I might go post a picture, some silly shit. But yeah. I didn't even go on Facebook. And now I go on Facebook, I see all this other stuff. And then, but Instagram. But now it's like you got to you have to find these veterans, and half of them won't even get on. And that's the problem. They won't yep. even get on social media. So you know, last two things I'll leave you with,
1: right? And and this is the two things I've noticed here recently. So one of them is if you download our app on Apple or Google, it doesn't matter. It's two drunk dudes in a gun room. Our, our name of our podcast. That's the name of the app. It's free. Um, you don't have to set up no accounts or nothing, and you have full access to the Gun Room Radio. You can plug it into your car and drive down the road and listen to it. Um, you can listen to every episode from our podcast. You can reach our resources page. It has every single place our edit, our our event page, everything, all of our little uh, advertisements, all that good stuff, right? The other thing is
0: if you're a veteran out there,
1: if you are a veteran out there that is struggling and you're on social media, let me give you some advice that has helped me. And I think it will help a lot of other people. Stop Googling and and searching and interacting on Facebook over government and disputes. Don't post anything, don't respond to nothing. Stop watching the three second reels and 30 second TikToks and, and all that stuff and watch how your algorithm changes. And if you start searching veteran stuff and organizations, you're within a few weeks, your algorithm will stop showing you all this negative stuff in the world. I'm not saying it's not true and it's not bad, but if you're already struggling, you don't need that shit. Change your algorithm, start seeing positive things and you will start seeing organizations that you've never heard of start popping up in your Facebook feed just because you changed your search. That's the biggest thing that you can do to help yourself. Um, change stop being focused on these these 30 second TikToks and and Facebook Reels I don't advertise on them anymore I don't post I don't even have a tick. I think I'm banned actually from life on TikTok but uh um I I think it's negative and it's bad because it takes your focus and it brings it here and let's face it man you know I know when I was struggling I was all over the fucking place I couldn't focus on anything longer than
0: yeah, those, those, and if you get caught up in the wrong ones, I'll be honest. I get caught up in the wrong ones. Like, I get caught up in the veteran ones. I watched this veteran TikTok the other day where you've probably seen it. it it's gotten more viral about the cop and the guy's about to kill himself. Mm-hmm. But he's a veteran. He talks him down. He's on the phone with the VA. That's who the guy is. Mm-hmm. And he's a veteran. He's begging him not to do it and everything. I watch that like five times, and then feel like a piece of shit. Like, like, yeah. So, so, yeah. It, what you put in is what you get, man. Yeah. And especially you're, if you're dealing with
1: anything, your algorithm is going to show you what it, it's like. So, here's what a lot of people don't know, and and I know we're running late, but no, do you? There's there's a uh, um, these people that that are are big out there, right? Uh, these conservatives and liberals. Do you know most of them have two Facebook accounts? And in one account, they only search liberal stuff. And in the other account, they only search right-wing stuff so that they can get in the algorithm, both things coming. So they can tailor their main podcast or or whatever to piss off whatever group they're against by seeing both things and and reporting on it, I guess, because they're journalists. But... You know, and that's and that tells you right there how powerful the algorithms and these social medias have been. If you only search for podcasts for veterans, government agencies, nonprofit organizations, your feed will change to those things. And you will slowly stop seeing all the Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump shit. I don't I don't hardly see any political stuff on my shit anymore. You know, I tell everybody I am politically homeless.
0: So my 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 twenty hours on Fox News a day is not good. Yeah,
1: it's probably not <laughs> good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I watch
0: Fox News every morning hey, while I'm waking hey. up. You know, <laughs> absolutely. I tell you uh, what, when 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 you don't watch the news for a day, life is just better. It is. It's just because you because you're not you're not mad or frustrated or pissed off about what what else is going on. You're worried about your own shit. Yeah, so I
1: can't. It's that. It.
0: Yeah, it's actually it's actually better because you're more you're more present in your own in your own life
1: Yep. if if i get beat down watching the news how much effort am i going to put into this podcast to try to help veterans because i'm already if i can't even help myself at that point anymore because i'm already pissed off you know
0: absolutely so Absolutely. But yeah,
1: but yeah download our app two drunk dudes in a gun room um google apple uh check out our podcast it's it's everywhere i don't yeah you can just google it um Webpage is two drunk dudes in a gunroom.com That's basically what the app is. It's just linked to it. And uh,
0: I'm, I'm glad you said that, man. I was sitting there like an asshole, like I said, in my shop, cleaning up when I was outside, listening to the web page. <laughs> <laughs> so now, yeah, yep. downlo- now I can download the app. Yep.
1: You can download the app and, and just hit a button and, and it'll start playing, man.
0: So, two drunk dudes in yep, a gun t- room. Yep. App. Yep. Look on on uh, Apple, look on Google, and then listen to uh, Gun Room Radio.
1: Absolutely, man.
0: Content we'll pick up after after uh, May 1st.
1: Yep.
0: Don, I appreciate appreciate you having, uh, for coming on the show. I appreciate for having me on your show. Um, I, for those I, I that appreciate haven't you listened inviting me, yet, Make sure. Um, and I appreciate it. Uh, and, and for everyone else, if you haven't listened to Drunk Dudes in the Gun Room before, go check it out. You're missing out. Remember, every second counts.